What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And it's Black History Month, y'all. Yay, yay. Happy Black History Month. February is back again. So soon. Kind of. Ish. Ish. I mean, it feels like it. The year of 2021 did feel both simultaneously long as hell and short as all mm-hmm. hell <laughs> as all a, get out I didn't, be- I didn't have a better uh segue there but you you get where i'm from so. I, I was digging it i was i understood <laughs> what you meant but yeah february is here again we're back and we're black and once i like that we're back and we're black mm, delicious thank you so much thank you very much that's the kind of energy that you want to go into black history month with mm-hmm. at the time of recording this we're like fresh into the month uh it is it's actually 2 to 2022 today on the day that we're recording it um oh, magical day magical day wishing everybody peace and harmony in your life yes although when this comes out it'll be the Seventh. So oh. 2 7 2022. Doesn't have such a cute ring to it, but we just consider this listening to this episode, we're sending you the energy that we maybe were able to harvest from this day. We're like sending you all those vibes. So <laughs> keep it up even on the seventh and any day that you listen to this after that. Um, but yeah, it is Black History Month. We are very, very excited to once again be highlighting um, some. Uh, movies that are focused on black horror that include black actors directors writers etc uh we did this last year and it was a lot of fun and so Mm -hmm. yeah we've been really looking forward to doing it again because we actually had some movies last year that we wanted to cover but obviously you know there's only so many mondays in the month so we were like oh it's great we'll just roll them over to next year and next Mm -hmm. year has come um so yeah we have some awesome movies lined up for you guys this month. And if you listened to our our episodes last February, you know that we did a thing where we were shouting out other Black content creators just to give them some love, uh, acknowledge them, give them the hype that you guys give to us. We really, really wanted to spread the love. February. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you feel Ooh, me? Oh, Erica, you on fire today. Keep it going. Keep it rolling. Uh, don't put the pressure. When the pressure's not on me, I can do it. But now I'm <laughs> now I'm in my head. <laughs> okay, okay. Everybody look away. Everybody look yeah, away. Everybody All look right, away. You got this. Um, but yeah, we wanted to continue that this month as well. Um, so to start us off, I am going to be shout- shouting out a couple content creators. Um, because I'm saying that, obviously, that does not necessarily mean that they are podcasters. Actually, the person that I want to start with today, um, although they have a podcast, what I want to highlight is actually their Twitch. Um, so I will be shouting out Mars, who is on Twitch and I also believe on social media. Uh, the username is I am too eager, like I am the number two and then eager 
mm-hmm. like eager beaver. Mm-hmm. That was confusing. I could have just said, <laughs> I could have just spelled it and it probably would have <laughs> been less confusing. But um, yes, she is on Twitch and playing spooky games. Uh, twitching or streaming quite often, as far as I can tell, a couple of times a week, it seems. So mm-hmm. if you are looking for um, some other Twitch streamers to get into, if you like watching people play or watching people play spooky games like uh, Dead by Daylight or I think she played like the Alien games at mm-hmm. one point. She's played like. She's played the Resident Evil games. I think mm-hmm. she's played like Dead Space. Yes, and that's like, what I was thinking of, oh, Dead Space. Dead Space, mm-hmm. yeah. She's played a lot of like the big horror franchises. Um, I stopped by her stream a couple of times. It's it's a great little spot of the internet. Good little community there. And her streams are super entertaining. Yes. Um, so if you are in the mood for some, uh, some gaming, then please go over, check out her Twitch, give her a follow, give her a follow on social media. I'll also probably, um, when we post about this episode, I will probably list like everyone that we shouted out just to make it a little bit easier because then you guys can just click on their name and it'll take you straight to their page. Um, so I'll do that definitely because... That way you guys don't have to try and remember <laughs> all of these names after the fact. Um, so, yes, please go give Mari some love and let her know that the homie sent you. And my other shout out for today is actually a podcast. And that is the D180 podcast. Um, yeah, so the D180 podcast is hosted by AJ and John A. They are super fun to listen to. They have really just like exciting, casual conversations that always are very inclusive of the movie, but also feel really fun and friendly and easily accessible for, I think, people who are huge horror fans, but then also people who are maybe more casual horror listeners. Um, And also they cover... A wide range of movies. I love the, they do, they do stray more like towards 90s and earlier 2000s movies, which I love. But they also cover some more modern movies as well. They do some really fun themes. So if you catch them and they're doing a theme that month that you really enjoy, then, you know, you get multiple episodes that all follow that, which is really, really nice. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoy their podcast and recommend that you guys go check out D180 and give them give them a listen give them a follow and yeah let the homies know or let them know the homie sent you and if you guys have not yet we did want to shout out we were recently on an episode of my horror confessional which is another horror podcast where they focus on having people come on the show confess their sins which is that they have missed watching a huge horror staple and they watch that movie and then have a conversation about it our horror sin was videodrome so we watched and discussed and give our final thoughts and take on that movie so if that sounds like something you would be into which you definitely should because it was a blast and we had an amazing time talking to miguel um if you guys would be interested in listening to that then go ahead and head over to my horror confessional you can listen to that anywhere that you find your podcasts and give it a listen a like and let us know what you guys think of videodrome i am ready to get into this movie because there is a lot to unpack um 
so yeah let's just let's just do it <laughs> let's just do it because i there's a lot there's a lot that we need to talk about <laughs> that's it's very true there's there's a lot to this movie so all right agreed let's waste no time here and just jump straight into it uh homies we are entering into spoiler territory so you have been warned but today we're going to be talking about his house which is a netflix release from 2020 this was directed and written by remy weeks Starring Sape Dorisu as Bol and Wumi Musaku as Riel. Bol and Riel, two Sudanese refugees, are ready to start a new life. Seeking asylum in London after escaping their war-torn country, the couple is offered a rare opportunity when they are invited to stay in a house provided to them by the government. Although the home they receive is run down and in shambles, Bull and his wife are determined to make things work. That is, until a vengeful spirit finds its way to London and manifests itself as a specter haunting their new home. Insert drunken bar songs, discount polo shirts, and Really big imaginary rats here. Our film concludes with Bol and Real being forced to decide between returning to their home country or living in their new home with the ghosts of their past. Also, maybe next time hire a carpenter. Roll credits. Okay, so. This week, much similarly, similar, yeah. You you got it. Yeah, you yeah. got this. I'm not, I, I had the confidence. I just um. <laughs> 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 no. So yeah. So much like last week, I come into this week with a little bit of research under my belt um, that I wanted to preface the our discussion with, because this movie. Being about refugees, I, I was like, I, I have to imagine and I have to hope that the information and the way that things are happening in this movie is fairly close to life because it is such a serious issue, a serious topic. And also because it's such a huge part of this movie, I was, I really had faith that, you know, the director and the writers had done their research and we're trying to keep it as close as possible. Um, so I also wanted to do my research and just kind of see the the some of the process and some of the the facts behind it. Um, mm -hmm. and just go a little bit more in, in depth about it because it's something that I don't I'm not super versed in. Um, so I did find a couple of little tidbits to to preface and maybe give a little bit more background information. For you and for the homies. Okay, okay. The first thing that I found is in 2020, the top five most common countries of nationality of people seeking asylum in the UK were Iran, Iraq, Albania, Eritrea, and Sudan. So the couple in this movie are from South Sudan. So I was mm -hmm. like, okay, that's good to know. They're, they're in the top five of asylum seekers within 
the UK. Um, so I looked up the stats of how many refugees there are in the UK. As of 2020, there were 132,349 refugees in the UK. Of those, 77,245 were pending asylum cases. Um, that is a large number. Yes. Like in in ratio to the amounts that are in the UK. Yeah, it, it is a large number, but it's also interesting because the more I looked into it and was typing in this question of, you know, how many how many refugees are in the UK? A lot of the articles, the first things that they said was like, not that many in, com you know, in comparison to how many there are possibly in different areas of the world and even mm -hmm. in comparison to the population in the uk they all made it seem like it, they were like oh like a very small percentage but then when you see that number in front of you it does seem like a lot of people yeah so i was like that's interesting um so my next question was what kind of benefits do like refugees or people who are seeking asylum what do they receive in the UK? Because that is a big part of this movie is what they are allowed to do and what they are given. So mm -hmm. the majority of asylum seekers do not have the right to work in the United Kingdom and must rely on state support. Housing is provided, but they cannot choose where it is. And it is often hard to let properties which council tenants do not want to live in. Cash support is also available and is currently set at 39.63 pounds per person per week. So $39 a week? Pounds. So Oh, sorry. Sorry, 39 pounds <laughs> but, a week. But still, I mean, dollars isn't is only like a couple more than pounds, really, because I looked it up in this movie they're they're given 70 pounds a week and mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, they're giving 74 pounds a week. That's $100 in USD. Okay. So it's like a it's a bit more but still you know for one person for a week i it says on here they're like that's that's like five that's equivalent to five pounds a day like if that person was working that's how much money they'd be making a day sheesh but they're also they're not paying for housing or any of that stuff right, right? right. Like, okay the, the housing is supplied by the state but that is meant to go towards like food clothing decorate the all, if they want to decorate all other yeah. expenses yeah everything else that because obviously when they come in they're they're carrying what they can on their back so they're basically mm. starting from zero so yeah that money that they get is for all those extra little tidbits um so yeah it's not not a lot but that is also an accurate depiction in the film is what they are provided with Okay. So then okay. the next thing that I looked up was if they're, because like I said, the, they are from South Sudan and I just looked up South Sudan um, mm -hmm. and there is a refugee crisis there. Um, the conflict in South Sudan has turned 2 million people into refugees and internally displaced another 2 million. In total, 6 million people are in need or urgent in need of urgent humanitarian assistance, which is half the country's population. Jesus. Yes. So there is a refugee um, crisis currently happening there. And that was still going on as of 2020, which South Sudan did enter a, a peacemaker treaty. 
The president formed a unity government with the opposition leader, who is also now the vice president. Mm -hmm. However, key parts of the agreement have still not been implemented. And so there's continued distrust between the two men, which continues the funding shortage. And there's still fighting and violence that continued into 2020 and thus is still continuing now. So there were moves towards peace. However, there is still conflict. Um, so I think that is why Sudan continues to be in the, the top five for refugees. I just wanted to, for anybody who doesn't know, um, I wanted to kind of like look into what the process is once they arrive. But I also wanted to look at it specifically in the UK. Um, I imagine it's a very similar process in the United States. But since mm -hmm. our movie is taking place in the UK, I wanted to focus there. So when someone makes the journey over to the UK, such as crossing the channel in a boat, which is how they would have how they arrive in the movie is by boat. Mm -hmm. They can make their application for asylum at the port of Dover. If they can't do it there, there's another asylum intake unit that they can be transported to. So then after they get there, they must attend a screening interview after filling out an application. This interview collects basic information such as identity, country of origin, when and how the person arrived in the UK, and what documents they have, like if they have a passport or other identity papers. Mm -hmm. Once they fill out the application, each separate application is assigned a casework team. And then they go through another interview, but this one is more detailed. Um, so once they do that, they have to provide evidence that backs up their claim and show that they are in need of protection and cannot safely be returned to their country of origin. So then once they're in, like once all of that happens, they can be detained into an immigration detention center, which is where we find our couple at the beginning of the movie. And in the UK, there is no limit to how long you can be in a detention center. Like there could be no end to that. So once, so then from there, it kind of goes in where you are just kind of waiting until you, I, you know, either have to go through more processing or you get put on probation probationary asylum which is what happens to them mm -hmm. and then from there you can be put on you can be passed through and get full asylum which can last up to five years before you can attempt to become like a full-on citizen of the uk so yeah that is Interesting. the process so when we meet our couple in the movie they have already gone through the interview the application who they are meeting with in that beginning section, that would be their case team. Right. Okay. <laughs> I think that was a, uh, uh, first off, um, kudos to Erica for doing her homework. I appreciate you. And I'm sure the other homies who were not quite as enlightened appreciate you as well. But yeah, that, that does kind of segue us directly in to kind of this beginning portion where we get this very bleak looking environment that um i think is probably not too different than how it is in reality mm -hmm. with our main couple of bowl and real you know having this interview right and one of the things that i thought was a really 
was a really specific detail that I think said a lot was the way in which the interview, the way in which they were spoken to in the interview, I think was very telling of like what this process is probably like for a lot of people mm-hmm. where it's, it seems like it's less about the actual personality and like the, the narrative of the people who are seeking the asylum. And it's more just about the hard specific facts of that moment mm-hmm. um, where like every time they were asked the question, it was yes or no. They didn't want to hear the but why or where or when it was just yes or no answer these questions mm-hmm. and if it's such a it felt so dehumanizing yeah it's a clinical process it's mm-hmm. facts it's yeah yeah you're right it's yes or no it the it can't be about who these people are as human beings it's rather them as numbers and logistics and you know can we afford can we afford that can we move them in you can tell for the the three people that are interviewing them this is one of the however many people are going to see today and they kind of just need Mm -hmm. to get it done and get it taken care of and get them out of the way yeah and it's it's such a wild thought when um we as an audience now at this point we don't have too much information on like what this couple has been through outside of the fact that we know that they've uh, endured some hardship to get to the point that they are there at now um, through this like dream sequence right mm-hmm. um, but this whole idea that these people are seeking asylum right so they are they are escaping some form of danger in their home country just to be met with such a clinical response is it's kind of sad man it, 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 it really it's kind of a downer I'm not gonna lie like sitting there and like although it's probably uh, you know, sensationalize a little bit in terms of like how bleak it is, perhaps, perhaps, given what we see in this interview. But um, if the process is really as similar to that, if it's just like a DMV experience for someone who is like running for their life, it's like, damn, dude, Mm -hmm. is what a hard life to have to live. And you're just trying to, you know, push forward and survive. I, I think that that it's such a wild concept to kind of base a movie around, mm-hmm. um, which for me was a big pull of this movie is it's tackling this subject in a in a way that is I don't even know how to describe it, really. It's it, it's engaging, mm-hmm. you know, despite it being so bleak, you still kind of want to see what's happening because you do have this supernatural element to it. Right. Um, but at the same time, they're still able to present this conversation about like what it's like um, for asylum seekers in that process. I do think that that's um, um, very engaging and, and something that probably a lot of people don't know a lot about mm-hmm. or are curious to learn about. Out of curiosity, this was your this was your first time watching this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. This was this was my second time watching it, and I gotta say, I, I definitely had different feelings about it uh, the second time around. Because I feel like the first time I watched this movie, not going to lie, I wasn't too into it. Um, Yeah, surprisingly so, too. And I attribute a lot of that to the fact that um, when this movie first came out, I think there was a lot of buzz around this movie, a lot of hype. Uh, So I remember watching it, expecting it to be like really, really, really good. And then I think I uh, dismissed it as like, you know, passable, like not bad or anything, but just like, Okay, that was a watch. Um, but I definitely 
you know, I had I had some different thoughts this time around um, that I'll be interested to chat with you about okay. as we move forward. I definitely think this movie picks up steam quite a bit, like towards the latter half. Mm-hmm. I will say this movie made me really fucking sad. It's a sad movie. <laughs> and, it is. And it is I, a sad movie. I think that's what made me kind of like pause in the sense of I was really feeling like, oh, man, this is going to be hard to watch. It kind of gave me the same feelings of when I like first watched 12 Years a Slave in the sense where uh, I like I, mm-hmm. what a beautiful what a great movie in so many ways, acting phenomenal, whatever. But like you'll be damned if you ever see me watch that movie again, because it's hard <laughs> to get it's, just, it's hard to get through. It's so it's so sad. And mm-hmm. I started to feel that way a little bit with this one. However, I think they did a good job of of balancing things where it never got too far like i i never got to the point of tears i almost did but every time i felt like i was going to something happened that kind of pulled me back and so they did a a well job of saying yes there is emotional weight to this movie yes this is hard but at the same time there are some horror elements there are a couple light moments and there's also a mystery to this that i think kind of helped trick your brain and help you engage in other things besides just the oh my god this is so fucking sad (laughs) yeah true but all that to be said the movie is still so fucking sad oh yeah Um. (laughs) no i'm not it's there it's they put a little bit of like seasoning on it but i still taste the chicken you know what i mean like it's there Um, it's very true but yeah Um, I, i will also say too um be, I feel like because of the nature of this movie, I know we already gave our spoiler warning for this episode, but I do think this is one where if you haven't seen this movie already, um, I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking about some things that may or may not just like completely ruin the movie or give things away for you. Mm-hmm. And I think if you really want the full experience of his house, you should watch it first before continuing through this episode just to like double blanket that because there are some twists and turns here that we're going to be talking about that are like huge to the plot of the movie yes very true uh so last chance to turn back before we really start digging in um (laughs) but i want to go back to something that you said which is the bleakness of this movie um i i had to note that it's something that i realized about halfway through but the all of the scenes where they're out in the city um Everything is so gray and it's cement and it's pale and it's just a little bit like grim and kind of a downer. Like anytime they're out and about, especially maybe not so much for for Bowl because he, Mm -hmm. you know, is trying so hard to to. take the good of the everything but i think definitely for um for real is when you compare that to when they're inside of the house and when you see them when they first you know before he's trying to acclimate a little bit more with the clothing that they wear and how colorful that is and the warmth that they have in the house because they're consistently using candlelight and, 
you know, everything about them still feels so rich and flavorful and full of this life that they once lived. And then Mm -hmm. that's just such a stark contrast to how they're feeling, like how things are now. And it's like you can really see the clash of them versus the world that they're in now. Yeah. And honestly, I kind of doubled down on something that you said there that I didn't really think about, but I think is very true is I think I'd have to go back and watch it one more time to like really see it. But I do think if you compare the like outings of both Bull and Real, that you're right when I think when because Bull out of the two of them, Bull's the one who's really trying to assimilate into the culture, right? They're in London now. They've made it out of, out of Sudan. Like, he really wants to make this work. And so he's ready to do whatever it takes um, in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like when we're with him, traveling with him, his experience is a bit more colorful. You know, we when he leaves out the house, we see him have fun. You know, he's mm-hmm. out at the bar, like, singing with the locals and uh, yeah, clothes shopping and all this stuff. And there there is life. There's color to his experience. Where in comparison, when Rial finally decides to leave the house, it is bleak, it is stark, it is it is gray, the people are mean, you know, like it is not a good experience. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that really reflects how both of them are feeling about this. And like both of them, I think, are excited in a way to have this opportunity to start a new life, but in the same vein there are difficulties in coming to a completely foreign place Mm -hmm. with foreign concepts and ideals that you've never had to um, work with before. Right. Um, Even speaking as somebody who didn't like seek asylum, but, you know, coming from a foreign country myself into the States, like there's, there's that, that, um, that culture shock that happens. I think for a lot of people, if not most people, when they are coming to somewhere new especially if they have their expectations set very high, it, I think it's very easy to get disappointed by the reality of what things are. And it's just like, you know, well, yeah. shit can be mm-hmm. kind of great. Especially when you, you're shown this TV glossy version of things and mm-hmm. then it's so different. And, and for them, it's something you weren't even planning for necessarily because of circumstances outside of your control you're pushed into this decision and there's no time to stop and think about it it's just go 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 and then you get there and now what okay great now what am i supposed to do i'm completely out of everything i've ever known everything i've ever loved this is so different and mm-hmm. and yeah, I think even for Bull, like when he leaves the house, the minute that they get into the house and he goes out the next time, he's already changed. He's in like a, a white like uh, turtleneck sweater that matches his surroundings. Mm-hmm. And then when Rial goes out, she's still wearing her traditional clothing. She has this very colorful skirt and top on. And so she stands out because she's going through that maze of like white walls and she's so confused because everything looks the same. Everything Mm -hmm. looks exactly the same. And she is just so turned around and like discombobulated by the situation around her. And I'm sure to her, she she probably feels like, you know, where is where am I going? Like, why am I even 
here? What am I what am I even doing in this in this place? But for Bowl, he can't wait to get out and explore because to him there are things new the new things excite him. And then Rial, the new things are are scary. They're they're not what she was expecting. And mm-hmm. so yeah, they're both really adjusting at completely different paces. And you can really see that like I think in the beginning you get a lot of shots of them together. We get these cool shots of them framed on one side and it's like the two of them really close together. Like there's that first shot where they're in the detention room and they're standing in front of the window and they're holding hands. Even the very first shot we see after he wakes up from his nightmare is her and she's like leaning on, he's laying down, but she's been watching him and she's like Mm -hmm. has her hands on him. They're always touching or close to each other in some way and then as the movie goes on every time we see them they're in a single shot like it'll be Mm -hmm. her on one side and him on another side and they're not touching anymore they're not a united front anymore they're in totally different spots in this world and you can kind of see this rift continue to grow between them until the end when they're once again framed as a unit and I yeah. just thought that was really interesting because you can see as they both view this new world differently, it's separating them. Like this new place is separating them. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And then also we all, we are getting these little snippets of you know their journey to get here, right? And clearly they're both being haunted by something, right? And Mm -hmm. this is before we even get into the supernatural portion of this film, is both of them, something on the journey has stuck with them, um, is still with them to this day. And it seems that they're both navigating it in their own ways, but they're also both struggling and kind of dealing with this thing. You know, Bull's having these terrible nightmares about the boat and it seems based on like Rial's reaction like this isn't the first time like she seemed very accustomed to it you know and also Rial in her own way she's also um struggling with some of these uh, moments from her past um back in Sudan which um you know as we get further along in the movie we learn more about but um you know with this movie being called his house right mm-hmm. Let's talk about the house. Um, since this was your first time watching the film, uh, what was what was your um, reaction when they got to the house? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I just—I mean, it's covered in trash. They didn't even try and and do anything, clean it up. It's like the last people that were there. They just left whatever they left there. They said, "Okay, that's fine for the next people." It's mm-hmm. they remark many times in the movie that this house is much bigger than a lot of people get. And so they should feel thankful for that. And, you know, they do feel thankful for that. They, they're they just happy to have a place. And they're, I think they're both very happy that it's them, you know, that, that they have this place for themselves. Because he also says a lot of times many families are living in one one home. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it's just, it it's obviously, you know, you make a house a home. It's, you a house is just this foundation and then it's up to the people that move there to make it feel like a home. Um, but 
yeah, they're just kind of thrown into the situation and they don't even have a, it's not even a question. It's a, well, here's your house. Like you don't get to say, you don't, this is the only house you're living in or you're going back to Sudan. So yeah. <laughs> Hope you like it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, enjoy. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, the way they just get thrust into it is just so crazy. Even even from the beginning, like, when they get dropped off, and he just chucks their stuff on the ground and just drives off. Uh, I feel like it's always, those, though, in this movie, it's those little subtle hints of just um, how the process works that I think really color the experience of what it may or may not be like for um, refugees or asylum seekers in this, like, you really are just a statistic in this system, right? You are a part of this bigger system and the the people who are, you know, quote unquote, helping you are doing this like almost like a conveyor belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it is for you, this is a, a big moment in your life. For them, it's a Tuesday, you know what I yeah. mean? And so like when they, when they get dropped off and they see this uh, essentially freaking trap house, from the looks of it, I love that their first, like their first concern, wasn't real necessarily the state of the house, but it is we get this whole house. They're just like they can't believe it, mm-hmm. and even despite everything that's wrong with this house, and believe there is a lot wrong with this house, they still find a, a momentary joy in the notion that they do have a home mm-hmm. here, like they are going to be able to start a home here. I do think that is a beautiful moment before shit really starts to hit the fan not too long afterwards. But um, I think it it gives us a lot of information about the two of them and their sensibility of like, you know what? It's a fixer upper, but we could do it. Right. We got this. But then you better than nothing. You have these moments, too, where Bull does this interesting thing throughout where instead of crying, he laughs. And Mm -hmm. it's always so hard to tell if he is happy or if it's he is truly upset and he's masking that Um, Mm -hmm. because we yeah, we like quickly find out that they are sharing this trauma, understandably so, um, due to get, you know, on, on their journey to even get to the UK, they saw so many people die, so many people that they know. And also we find out that they were traveling with a little girl, their daughter, who mm-hmm. also died in this journey. Yeah. So they both have this shared trauma that neither one of them really wants to bring the other person into, despite the fact that it's the same. They don't want to let the other person know that they're still dealing with this thing. Yeah. And I mean, we, we, we even get a piece of that from Bull too, like a little bit later on when there's a bit more conflict when he's just like, look, we've grieved enough. Like we've, we've done our time grieving about this. Um, clearly Real doesn't think so, but um, it just kind of goes to show that like this, this shared trauma has been a, a constant for both of right. them. But I don't think that they did. I, I really don't think that Bull has grieved at all. Because... Oh, you think so? I don't... I, yeah, I think that he has not because of the guilt that he feels. I think mm. that he has consistently just tried to say... Because if you face the grief, then you have to admit that you did do something wrong. And that's right. something that is a huge thing for him in this movie is he he refuses to 
admit that things went wrong. Like, yes, you got here. You did it. But the journey was like, obviously, it was never going to be easy. But I think he refuses to admit that he did make some mistakes, understandably so, in a desperate situation. He made Mm -hmm. mistakes and choices that he does have to take accountability for. And he won't. And so I I don't think that he has grieved. I think what he is saying is you've grieved enough about this. You need to move on. And mm-hmm. and Rial is like, but we don't talk about like we don't talk about this. Like you're you're brushing this because he immediately is like so ready to leave everything behind and i imagine that he has been like that from the beginning i think as right. soon as they got there he was like this we okay this is it yeah where we're, and that's, we're that's, starting anew and that's not very uncommon i think for a lot of families that do migrate into a different country is like a lot of times you will have like one of the parents usually um who's very gung-ho about like we need to assimilate we need to be like the people here like we need to fit in blend in yada 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 i think a lot of times it is typically like the father figure i I think oftentimes you'll find that um where they're they're trying to push their family to um acclimate to their new surroundings um and i i thought a very subtle scene that i did not notice the first time i watched but really enjoyed the second time around was that first dinner scene where they're having dinner on the floor and he has her use utensils for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, something that completely went over my head the first time, but I thought was a very nice attention to detail there where it's like clearly back home, she's used to eating with her hands. They do not use utensils there. And I love the comment that Riel makes where it's like they're eating and she's like, all I taste is the metal. And I was like, oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Like what good writing there. I appreciate that. Yeah, he is. He wants he won't let her keep anything, anything mm-hmm. from their court. He doesn't want them to hold on to a place that they won't be going back to. He's like, no, this is it. This is what we're doing now. Because, yeah, he gets home. She's created this entire feast. First of all, he's been gone all day. He comes home Mm -hmm. late because she has been waiting at the candlelight with a full (laughs) Because they do not have have power (laughs) yet. do not have power yet. She's been laid up by candlelight with a full feast that he is, you know, so he comes home and... Yes, he is grateful, but one of the first things out of his mouth is next time we eat at the table. And it's mm-hmm. like, excuse me? Okay. Like, bitch? <laughs> Thank you. Like, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's like, next time we eat at the table. And then before they can start eating, he's like, oh. And, yeah, runs up, gets silverware. And she's she's just like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. what? It's like, we just got here, bro. Yeah, we just got here. And... And even later, like he and and even but no, actually, even before then, he is kind of pushing her to get out and about. And he is, you know, and I and I get that he's thinking, you know, like she can't just stay home and stuff, but he really doesn't allow her time to to get used to things at her speed. He yeah. is very, very much like we needed to be 
like we needed to be ready yesterday and where she's like no like we're here now we can take our time we can still be who we were in this new place and i thought that was really interesting because she goes when she finally gets out and she goes to the doctor and Mm -hmm. she mentions the markings the doctor like makes a note of like the markings on her body and and she says that she marked herself for both tribes because the tribes are warring there is Mm -hmm. which is why they left because of all the violence in sudan and so she said she marked herself for both tribes because her entire family was killed and she kind of just wanted to be safe and in case so that whoever ran up upon her she would maybe be okay and Mm -hmm. but as a result of that she she says something like i i made myself belong to no one or like belong to nowhere because she Mm -hmm. kind of gave up her identity Identity, to keep herself safe those are pretty these I've had since I was a little girl. These I gave to myself with a knife. And I found my family butchered. There are two tribes where I'm from. And they're both killing each other. Depending on which one you belong to, you mark yourself. I marked myself with both. I survived by belonging nowhere. And I feel like that's exactly what's happening now, is Bull is Uh. so willing to give up his identity to stay safe. And she Mm -hmm. is really conflicted about that because it feels like they're renouncing the people that they are to become these people that she doesn't think they need to be and so i feel yeah. like that's why she's really feeling so odd about it is she's already done that once like she doesn't want to do mm-hmm. that again and she's also like she's not a dumb character she's really wise to the bullshit and <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> like and i think uh, on top of everything else what is probably eating away at her too is just she calls him out on it too is Bull just idolizing all these people in their new surroundings mm-hmm. where she's like, these people ain't shit. No. Like, why are you so gung-ho about being like Mark? Like, he, yeah. he ain't nobody. He don't give a fuck about you. Yeah. And I think that on top of all the other, like, issues that are, are um, kind of starting to swirl up for the two of them really does lead to that uh, dynamic shift of them no longer being a a unit and now they're kind of veering off into their own separate paths one thing i did really enjoy though about this movie is how quickly we do jump into the horror Mm -hmm. aspect of it because like very early into their stay both bull and real are being haunted by whatever this entity is in their new home Mm -hmm. and i really like that they decided to introduce that so quickly in the story Agreed. Yeah, the because f- basically the first night that they're there, he has uh, a more in depth nightmare than usual, and then right after that, things are on and popping. And yeah, and I I also agree with you. I like that they both experienced because at first I was like, okay, Rial is not gonna, because Bull is the one who's having 
incidents early on and i was thinking mm -hmm. that she wasn't going to be experiencing those but i was pleasantly surprised when she did and i also really appreciated that because of who they are because of their traditions because of their their folklore they are not pretending that this isn't happening now bowl is pretending to real that maybe things are not what they seem because mm -hmm. he doesn't want her he already knows she doesn't want to be there and so he's kind of pushing back against that but he knows some they both know that things are going on spiritually supernaturally and they don't try and act like it that's not the case and i i did like that too because it makes it more enjoyable when there's not someone in denial or there's not a husband who's like, oh, I just think that you need more sleep. Like, I, mm -hmm. I feel like it makes it a little bit more enjoyable. Um, I also think that makes things really exciting from a writing and directing standpoint, because since these characters are accepting of things, you can up the ante and the stakes right away because they are aware of their circumstances. So they are engaging these spirits therefore the spirits can do anything without it being crazy you know without our characters trying to downplay that because when you have a case of characters where they're trying to act like everything's okay or they are actively in denial you're gonna take your audience out if you raise the stakes too quickly because your audience is going to be saying well why are they still trying to act like everything's cool when tables and chairs are floating all around yeah so yeah, I don't know. It makes it really exciting and entertaining to know that these characters uh, interacting with these spirits, there's no bounds. Like they've given themselves the ability to allow them to do anything, which is awesome. But yeah, the, there's this hole in their wall and everything seems to be stemming from that. The, that becomes the fixation is this hole. Mm -hmm. And I like that I liked that as a frame of reference. Like I, I loved that the walls and and things like that. Like the found the foundation of the house and like the something that is just so basic a wall. Like mm -hmm. that was the issue. There was something inside of the walls, and he was so fixated on that, and he was like breaking it down and destroying it, and by and by doing that, basically destroying his house and of course even that name it's like bowl is is like yeah this is my house like you guys can't be here this is my house yeah but then at the same time it's kind of the pet's house the night yeah. witch <laughs> is his house now <laughs> i hate yeah, to tell you he, he uh, laid claim to <laughs> this mm -hmm. one he so, signed so the lease. Tell you that, bowl. yeah he did he's on the lease as well and bowl didn't even know that Mm -hmm. And like, I agree. I like the wall as like a foundational, almost metaphor in a way, mm -hmm. um, because it's like presenting this idea that um, whatever is eating away at these guys is like they're they're keeping it. They're keeping it masked. Right. They're not outwardly talking about this issue that they're having, this trauma. They're really trying to keep it behind this wall, you know, mm -hmm. and I like kind of the symbolic idea that the more that bull ends up kind of destroying this wall in like these haunts and whatnot, the worse things get, you know, like the more things that leak out into the atmosphere. Um, I don't know if that's like stretching what the director and writers were going for there, but it's something that I think could be a metaphor if you look at it in that way. Um, 
And so I like I liked that dynamic. I also enjoyed how they would use both the wall and the and the house for the scares, I think. And and like their use of lighting, I thought was really good mm -hmm. because of the fact that they established that there is no electricity until Bowl can manage to fix it. Um, we get a lot of cool um horror shots using just like shadows and like what's creeping behind the darkness that you can't really see that's also motivated by the idea that they don't have the they don't have the resources to just flip on the lights and make everything better it's like he has to just kind of sit in this in this scary shit that he's mm -hmm. experiencing in the moment yeah, they definitely play a lot with like light and shadow and how these ghosts that are haunting him are people of like the shadow. Like that's where they thrive is in the dark. Mm -hmm. And I will say this is a great movie with some subtle scares. I don't this isn't necessary. I think a lot of people will watch this and it's not going to be scary to them, which I mm -hmm. Can definitely see but that I was do... a that was a big issue for me the first time around is yeah. i think with the hype that was surrounding this movie i assumed that it was going to be super scary and i remember going into this movie thinking like oh man i'm about to get mm -hmm. so scared and it's not you're it's not really that kind of movie like there are some um scary-ish moments but it's more like the the entirety of the story that's scary, right? Yeah, well, because even the scares are slow scares. They're not mm -hmm. jump scares by any means. They are scares where you see something and you keep your eyes on it. And it's more of a creepy scare rather than, oh, my gosh, because you can see things happening. You're watching. Everything is very natural. And so the scares are accompanied by natural sound. There's mm -hmm. no musical stings to alert you of a scare if a glass breaks you hear the glass if it's somebody walking you just hear their footsteps there's no music accompanying that so there's no jump scare element it's very very grounded mm -hmm. as far as the scares go so yeah it's not it's not gonna be spook it's it is spooky yeah it's, it's, but it's, it's like it's closer to spooky than scary I'd yeah probably say. it's not it's not scary but i i love that i love when movies don't do musical stings um mm -hmm. for their scares i think that it's really cool i think that it adds to the realism of the of the film and i think it really works in this movie because it's not i, I think this movie is much more about the the trauma and the um and the psychological issues that that causes our characters and so i and i also think our antagonists in this movie they are people they were victims and so i don't i like that they are not necessarily meant to be used as like these evil monsters because mm -hmm. they're not they're refugees who did not make it and so it it feels much more creepy when you think of it that way and we're we're kind of following just as much of their journey as we're currently following like bulls and reals and then oh but i did want to talk about a, going back just a little bit mm -hmm. i do like that that dinner scene i think you get a lot of information in that scene because not only do we get the story about the apeth mm -hmm. which relates to bowl in more ways than we think like once you find out the reveal 
because it's obviously it's like it's supposed to, she's telling him that because she is trying to relate to him and say it's the story of this man who wanted to be in better circumstances and basically stole from all these people just to get there and mm-hmm. he had to be punished as a result of that and she's relating it to bull and you think okay yeah because he's kind of like willing to do whatever but it makes a lot more sense later on and mm-hmm. then also in this scene he says this might be a great time for us to start a family and she kind of you know reacts to that obviously because we well, think it's because they've lost a child and so that's just kind of an insensitive thing to say right. but i i did notice that because i was like i've never heard someone say start a family if After they've already Luke. had a kid like you yeah. say you say that usually when you haven't had any kids at all and you're mm-hmm. like now we can finally start a family like i did think that that was weird when See, I first... you're better. You're better than me. I did not catch that <laughs> on my first time through. That I that went straight over my head. <laughs> I just was like, "That's a weird thing. That's a weird way to phrase it." Like, because I was like, "That's really insensitive to the child that you had." But that's another thing that makes a lot of sense later on. Mm-hmm. But it's also like it's also kind of masked as well because you could kind of write it off as uh, just bull bull's assimilation brain churning where he's just thinking about the here and now is whatever they had in in sudan we're done with that Mm. right here this is brand new we're starting Mm. fresh so we can Mm -hmm. start a family here right right um but no you are you are you are right right (laughs) you were quite wise detective erica on catching that one thank you so much um (laughs) i did remember too i was gonna say so it seems to me like Bowl's blood kind of like wakes wakes up the the spirits kind of a thing is like an energy drink for them because I feel like before like in the very beginning he was only really dealing with Nia Gak I think is how you say her name I Nia believe Gak. you Nia Gak but I they he does call her um like Naya I think in one point okay. um so. I might go back and forth, but in the beginning, that's who he's seeing. And you could almost chalk that up to, oh, he's just still really feeling remorseful about that. And then when he starts pulling down the walls and doing all this, these things, he cuts his hand, but he starts bleeding. He gets blood on the walls. He gets Mm -hmm. blood on the lights. He gets blood all over the house. And it feels like after that happens, everybody's popping up. Mm hmm. My man's took a real long time to bandage up that hand. Like, mm-hmm. I know you're you're focused on your work, but you really could have easily taken a five and wrapped that up <laughs> before continuing <laughs> to just smear your blood all over the walls. It's all over the place. I was like, and he does like right after it happens, he does get up and walk away like he's gonna like he's gonna go wrap it. And I do think that he does, but it's just like bleeding through the the gauze. Is that what happens? For me, it looked like this man got up, was like, ow, and then decided, <laughs> you know what? Nah, let me finish this first. And just kept working because he was leaking onto the ground. Leaking. He was. There was a lot of blood. And, as, and yeah, it, it awakened the whole house, basically, because after that, he starts getting um, and coming across many different people instead of just naya and i will say a scene that i really liked 
was the scene. So after he gets, or no, it's actually after he burns all of their stuff, all mm-hmm. of their Which stuff. Which was a, this is a pretty brutal scene. I It, it yeah. didn't hit me how heavy that scene was the first time around. But the fact that he took everything um, related to both their past and their daughter and just burned it right in front of her. Like, oh, that line when she's like, don't leave me with nothing. And he still rips yeah. the necklace off. Savage. Pure yeah. savagery. Like, bro. Especially because you can really tell then he's so convinced that that's the problem. That their past is the their pa- the things that they've brought from their past are that's what it is. It's connected to all of that. He cannot accept that maybe it's us. Like, maybe we brought this thing with us. Mm-hmm. He's like, nope, it's the stuff. We just got to get rid of the stuff. And then buy brand new stuff from The Gap. I'm old <laughs> Navy. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he like goes to the store. One thing I really appreciate that about this scene is that they leave it. There is a there is a guard. Yep, thank you. I was gonna. Him, mm-hmm. Who is watching him and following him around the store from the minute that he walks in? He clocks him and he is keeping an eye on Bull because he obviously thinks that he's gonna steal from the store. But I love that it's just a little bit of that scene. It yes. It's not. He doesn't talk to him. We don't see him buy the stuff. We don't see anything that comes from that. And Bull doesn't even notice it. It just mm-hmm. we do. We as the audience get to see that. And that's another instance of if Riel was if Riel was there, she would have noticed that. Like she would have noticed that that person was looking down on them. Mm-hmm. But Bowl is so fixated on, oh, I'm gonna dress like this perfect American family. I'm gonna buy my wife these these perfect this perfect frilly shirt and all this stuff. He doesn't even notice that that's happening. And mm-hmm. then and he never will. He never does. It yeah. just that's the next scene. Yeah, it was a great example of just show and don't tell. And another example of just how well this movie navigates subtlety. It's so nice. It's It, it does it with such ease, and I really appreciate that. Um, another scene to me that was awesome really was the um, uh, Rial's outing to try and find Church Street. I love that Ugh. entire sequence. Because um, yeah. they literally took such a simple concept. The idea of just walking somewhere in a place that you've never been before and how scary and intimidating that can be and made a whole horror sequence out of it. I was like, that's so good. That's yeah, so good. that scene is honestly one of the most tense scenes of the movie. When that kid like comes up and is trying to talk to her, mm-hmm. I was like, what? I thought he was going to ro- like rob her. or I didn't know what he was trying to do because he comes up like Sonic the hot, Hedgehog fest. Steaming yeah. hot. He just comes in, speed races up to her and is like, oi, oi. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is going on? And so, yeah, that happens. And then, of course, we get this group of black boys who are hanging out and she sees them and she feels some semblance of familiarity. She says, mm-hmm. okay, these are people that I can trust. These are people that will help me. And... Though they help her, they proceed to make fun of her the entire time that they're helping her and belittle her Mm -hmm. and make her feel like shit. And so by the time she leaves that situation and we get we see her next, she's over it. She's over it. Yeah, she's done. She doesn't want to talk to people anymore. She doesn't want to deal with people anymore because nobody here is safe for her. She doesn't feel like anybody is safe. And that's a really scary feeling to think 
I can't relate to any of these people. Even people that I think look like me, they don't like me. They don't relate to mm -hmm. me. And that sucks. Yeah, agreed. It I think that that moment there definitely cemented her feelings about like, you know what? Nah, this isn't what I want. Like I don't want this. This the, despite how violent and terrible things were, it's just like this doesn't feel like an upgrade to real and like i do think that from honestly from that moment forward the the divide between her and bowl is very much cemented where yeah. she is done she's done with this shit and he is kind of done with her shit in a way of like this is our home we're gonna make this work and he gets a lot more aggressive with it the deeper we go into the movie it almost takes a bit of like a shining vibe like halfway through where it's like it's no longer a conversation between the two of them it's an order from bowl to real that no you're staying here and we are making this work um and it's just it's not a good look for you bro it's really not mm -hmm. especially when you guys are dealing with this haunting that's happening that you both uh that you both acknowledge you both know it's happening but you are so convinced that it is it is something that you can control, which actually reminds me of another great moment. Uh, because something that I another another thing that I really enjoyed about this movie is outside of just the subtleties, it really puts a, a spotlight on just the horrors of humanity and like how scary real life can be and the things that in other places that aren't as comfortable as you know like the uk or like the states like how terrifying um just life in general can potentially be and i love that when riel is having the conversation about like the spirits and the hauntings and stuff like that she's basically paraphrasing here but she's just like she's essentially saying with the things that i've seen do you really think that i would be afraid of a ghost yeah. you think like a ghost scares me after what we've been through <laughs> yeah she's like, i fucking think... love that line after all we've endured after what we have seen what men can do you think it is bumps in the night that frighten me you think i can be afraid of ghosts you think I give a fuck about Casper? Come on now. Don't be stupid, basically. <laughs> and I was like, honestly, true. Like, And she's not. She's really not scared of... She almost finds solace in, in them because she recognizes them as people that she knows or something that is familiar to her. And... I want to, what do you think of the, the spirits and their design and kind of what they're able to do throughout this movie? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I like them. I like them. I, again, this was, this is another thing that was a, a difference from the first time I watched it to the second time I watched it. Cause the first time I watched it, I don't think I really enjoyed the design as much. But I also think the first time I watched it, I didn't get it. Like, I didn't get what they were supposed to be or represent. Mm -hmm. um, so the second time around, having them just be the the ghosts of the people that got left behind, I enjoyed it a lot more. Mm -hmm. uh, I I like, again, I like how they played with, with light and 
the danger, especially in in the bowl scenes when, like, for instance, the big scene where he's being attacked by a bunch of different specters and ghosts. And it it seems like they're going to harm him or kill him. But, you know, just in plot armor fashion, he's able to reach the light and escape in time. I think that they do a good job of not letting you know what these ghosts can do until it's Mm -hmm. time for you to know what they can do. Right. Because later on, we do get the like hard reveal of like how much these spirits can actually affect them and what they cannot do, what they can and cannot do. And I like that they hide that until you need to know. I thought that was a good choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I love like I love the design for Naya with the mask and Mm -hmm. she she looks great. Yeah, that that one entrance when she's just stabbing the floor. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And I also love when she like crawls. She's crawling through the walls and you can see her through the different holes. Mm -hmm. Love it. Um, But Yeah, I I like them. I do prefer that, though. I love when they have more of, like, their tribal markings or masks or things like that. Because sometimes on certain one of them, the ones that are supposed to look more dead, they do a little bit of CGI. And Mm -hmm. it looks very Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. It's a (laughs) little too far for me. Because if in comparison to the ones that I was just talking about that look a little bit more alive. Mm -hmm. I think that's so much cooler or the ones that look much more steeped in their tradition. I personally think those ones are so much more interesting to look at than going full on dead zombie bones and sullen sunken skin. I think those ones look a little bit silly. Um, like those were, and those are the ones that you can see it the most when he, when he has that, nightmare where he is back out at sea and he looks down and all of the bodies are underneath the water mm-hmm. like some of the way that that though their faces look like some of them continue to look like that in that scene that you were talking about and i was just not what i was like ah don't like that mm-hmm. but yeah but that's just because the other ones look so good yeah agreed and like i i mean if there was anyone that like i still was like iffy about the Apeth, his <laughs> his design still I'm like eh. Are you in the last scene? Yeah, in the mean? last scene. It was like, eh. All <laughs> right, bodysuit, whatever, I guess. Uh I didn't the like it the man. first time and I didn't really like it as uh, much more the second time around. I I was more okay with it the second time around. But it still looked a little goofy to me. Like, he was much more <laughs> menacing in the shadows when you couldn't see everything. Right. I was like, okay, that is, uh, like, ironically enough, that is where you shine. When I can see you in full light, once the bar lights come up, I'm a little less interested. <laughs> yeah, he looks nothing like what I thought he was <laughs> nothing like what i thought it was gonna look like when he came out of the ground i was like who is that (laughs) what is that bag of bones Yeah, because when I saw 
him in the shadows, I was like, oh, okay. This is like, I don't know what. I just was, I was like, oh, this is they're going to be. I did expect him to be like really tall. But yeah, I thought he was going to have like, you know, very dark skin and kind of be a mix between dead and alive almost mm-hmm. um and also have like probably some markings and things like that I, that's what i was expecting so when <laughs> i don't know when he when he rose up out of the dirt <laughs> and the grime i said i think you're in the wrong house i don't think <laughs> i don't know who you are but yeah i mean it was you know, it, it reminded it me creepy. of Loki. It reminded me of like the zombie rising scene from Courage the Cowardly Dog when they're like <laughs> filming and he like rises up from the grave. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, it was like a mix of that and the pale man. And like <laughs> if they had a baby, it would be a path. And I I think it was a cool design. Like I'm mm-hmm. not I, I actually the more I looked at it, I was like, okay, yeah, this is cool. It just yeah, it just really threw me for a loop because it was not what I, I guess I was expecting him to look more like the spirits, but right. I mean, it makes sense that he wouldn't. It makes sense that he would look different, yeah. but just not, just not that way. I just didn't, wasn't expecting that. But, true, true. You know, it could be yourself. Like, <laughs> maybe, like, maybe, maybe a little bit different. more lotion would help out, but you know, yeah. you do you, boo. And I, yeah, but you're right. I do love when he is in the shadows i think that that was a really cool i thought that was really smart of them to kind of hold off his reveal until as late as possible and even for for bowl because he doesn't really know what he looks like yeah he just kind of sees his eyes and yeah. i thought that that was cool because it looks yeah, the, great that, with oh, the, the fire his eyes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah the fire and then even with they were even smart to have it where someone else holds out the knife it's yeah like one of his his minions holds out the knife and mm-hmm. then just like goes back in shadow. I was like, very good. Yeah, they do a great job of playing. And I think that's a great way of showing just how much they like live in shadow. It's, yeah. It's so important until the end when, you know, he's strong enough to come up and, and do his little dance, his little, <laughs> his little dancey dance with Bull. When he wants to hold his hand. <laughs> yeah, I was like, are you trying to wear my man's skin? <laughs> I was very interested. I was like, what are we doing here? Are you uh, trying to wear his body as a suit? Or are you just kind of messing with him? Like, what is your end game? <laughs> um, I would love to know. <laughs> before we get into that, and also subsequently get into the reveal, too, because we got to talk about that. Yeah. Um. One moment or two, two moments that I did also enjoy were um, the uh, the scene where he goes to ask for a new house. I love that scene yeah. um, just because you get to see what what a array of emotions um, <laughs> Sape is able to portray with this character. Um, I love that he is so earnestly trying to keep up this facade of i am okay like everything's good we just need a new house right Mm -hmm. um while mark is clearly like you don't look good dog (laughs) like can we get this man some juice please (laughs) stat yeah he's like yo somebody help this man out get him some juice and then i love how i i love i love the the breaking of the glass i thought that that was Mm -hmm. a great um button to that scene and the way that he just storms out afterwards Mm -hmm. fantastic to me 
Yeah, that was great. And I love how everybody just looks at because I, I think the way they did that again was awesome because you just hear it. You hear the glass break and then everybody just pauses for a moment. And everyone's like too stunned to speak. And then he opens his hands and all the glass just <laughs> comes out of his hands. I was like, oh, shit. And what other reaction would you have to that other than, you know what? I'm out. Screw it. <laughs> like, right. This is clearly a bust. I'm, I'm just going to go. Yeah. Um, but I love that in the <laughs> Literally the next scene. Um, you know, granted, I feel like most people at this point are kind of on um Riel's side. I I do remember writing down a note of like, homegirl, your timing with this witch conversation <laughs> could not have been poorer <laughs> for this poor man trying to keep this house. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's stressed the fuck out and she's like, Did he tell you about the witch? The witch? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> You're like on the verge of losing your home and being fucking deported. And <laughs> your wife just comes in and be like, and, and and what's in question here is your mental state, right? Right. And you're like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm My fine. wife's good. Everything's good. We've we just rats. need a new house. Yeah, and then rats. she walks in. Uh, did you, did you tell them about the witch? <laughs> did he tell you about the witch? <laughs> yeah, she just bro, she just comes in stone cold, standing tall. She's got her outfit on, and that, I love that guy. And he just turns around and like looks <laughs> the one that's taking pictures, and because he's, mm-hmm. he's like never met them before, and he's, he's like, like, what? The? <laughs> did he tell you about the witch? The yeah. witch? <laughs> yes, I um, very much like that. And I will say too, going off of something you just said. I agree. I think that it's so easy to, in this situation, it's so easy to kind of side with Rial and and feel irritated at Bull, especially because in a lot of instances, he's really, he's pushing too, too hard. Mm-hmm. But then you think about it and you're like, she doesn't want to be here, but where are we supposed to go? Like, we're yeah. not going back to Sudan. We We can't. Yeah. We, what are we gonna do? Go back there now? Like, and and we went through this whole and and he's right. It's like we went through this whole journey. We're still going through all of this shit, and we did. We're doing all of this because we wanted to be here, and and it's like we can't leave the UK. Mm-hmm. And and if we do leave the UK, we'll get deported back to Sudan. Like, and we don't, we can't go back there. Like, what are yeah. we supposed to do? So it's like, I get, you can also see where his frustrations come from. But at the same time, it's, it's just like, he's, he's trying, he's doing too much. He's trying he is, too hard, but you know, he's doing it because he's so scared of the alternative. Yeah. And he, yeah. And like you said, he, he, there is logic behind his madness. Like what yeah. he is, the idea that he is presenting is not far fetched. It's like I get that you're not having a good time here, but whatever your not good time here is better than what we left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I think is a good segue to what they did leave behind and the yes. grand reveal of the movie, which is pretty nutso. Um, I'm very curious about your thoughts since you had not seen this before. Um, did you see the reveal coming? How did you feel about it? Talk to me. I need to know. No, I didn't see the reveal coming. This is why I almost cried. I almost cried through this entire freaking section. I was like, (laughs) oh my God. So yeah, no, I did not see this reveal coming at all. I thought it was very well done. I, 
like I said, they they did a great job of feeding you just enough because if you think about it, everything everything does make sense. Like it's real has has kind of convinced herself that that was her daughter. It's mm-hmm. like it, it wasn't, but she has made herself believe because she she the she did tell her she said I'm going to protect you and she didn't. And I feel like part of her feels like she's failed as a mother. But mm-hmm. and so she has made herself believe that that was her daughter and I think it's I feel like you understand why Bowl has been full steam ahead this whole time because it's like dude if we don't do this what we that little girl died and we you didn't you didn't want to come here like (laughs) you know it's like what did we what did i do all of that for because he pulls a titanic he he pulls a cow and and basically takes someone else's kid to get passage because they say that they're only allowing children on the bus from now on and he sees that they're also allowing their parents it's such a tricky situation he was in a desperate act a, def- a desperate situation and he did a, and he made a rash decision right mm-hmm. and it becomes worse when you realize that oh, no her mom was there they just got separated from each other yeah it's like her mom was in that group they just weren't by each other at the time and and it's one of those things where <laughs> like that is one of those situations where really once they were on the bus, I don't I don't think there was anything he really could have done to me to like get off of the bus or like right. to get her off of the bus. So it's awful. It's horrible. It's horrible seeing the mom run after her daughter. But then you you look at it and you're like, okay, well, but maybe this little girl will have a chance. And then you get to the next scene and you realize that he just left her to they like because Rial is trying to get to her to help her because she obviously cannot swim mm-hmm. and he chooses rather to save make sure that both him and Rial make it rather than try and help her and mm-hmm. so as a result of that action that decision that he made she dies which she didn't have to like we don't no. know what would have happened he that's the thing is he doesn't know what would have happened if they had tried to save her mm-hmm. and i think you could say well if she didn't get on that bus she would have died but then at the same time she would have died with her mom both of them ended up dying alone like yeah. at least maybe they would have been together you have all these scenarios in your head but the truth of the matter is you got a spot that you didn't really deserve i mean you deserved it but you took a spot on that bus from someone who potentially could have had that spot. Cause then say that the mom eventually got back to the daughter before the bus left. Maybe mm-hmm. they could have gone out. It's just like, there's all of these, there's all of these possibilities that make this such a shitty situation. Yeah. And also too, the part that also really got to me was Rial is, you know, you, you see that bit and it almost feels like, Oh, this is, these are people that she left behind when she like meets up when she's, seeing that vision and she like meets up with all of her friends and possibly her family Mm -hmm. and then you realize that all of them are dead so that's another thing is it's like she's she's mourning a life and wanting to go back to a life that no longer exists because those people that she misses they're they're still not going to be there even if she goes back to goes back to 
like somehow i don't know they get back to sudan like that's they're not gonna be there anymore yeah she has no life there and dude that scene is so brutal um especially because of the setting of it too because like i mean i guess trigger warning here too is like mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of us have seen that scene um of like places of like classrooms of like people who have just mm -hmm. been slaughtered like that and so, like, that imagery, it it killed me both times. Like, even being prepared for it the second time through, it's just... And they don't show it, like, they don't, like, put a big spotlight on it. Like, you really see it all in passing. But, like, the amount that you see is enough to get the idea across of, like, what happened to, you know, her friends and potentially family. And it's just so brutal and so yeah. tragic. And, like, even coming back to this film a lot of it seems like a PTSD story for both of them. Like, it feels like they're mm -hmm. both struggling with their own forms of some kind of PTSD, um, perhaps bold through his guilt of what he did. And then I think for Rial, it's coming to terms with what she's lost. I think that she's one of the things that maybe is keeping her so stern about not put uh, leaving her culture behind is the fact that like her culture her family her friends they're gone right and she just cannot accept that right and i'm sure for her too it's like keeping traditions and stuff like that is keeping their memory alive and so it must be a slap in the face to then have someone say no i don't want to do these things anymore because it's like, well, what else am I supposed to do to feel close to these people? But yeah, it's just a really sad situation. And he and that little girl hearing her scream in the water was like a horrible, horrible. I was like, the, uh, it's so bad. It's so even the, freaking sad. Even the mama stuff, like yeah. on the bus. Because like you get the you get the mama like thing throughout the entire movie, but the context of it they don't reveal right. until that scene, and oof, oh, that hit something different in a way that I didn't want to be hit. Oh, yeah. that was brutal. It's just it's so sad, and I just think you know, Bull is really seeing it as that was our last chance. This was our last. I didn't want to do that. But, like, it was our last shot. And I think Rial is really seeing it as from a mother's perspective more mm -hmm. so than Bol is. I think she is really seeing it as, like, we stole this this child from her mother. And I feel like that's really, really hitting her in a different way than it is for Bol. Because I, I even think later on he really does say... Like, I feel like for for him, it's the the choice he made in the water is the biggest thing that he feels guilty about. Like, right. I feel like for her, the moment that she keeps reflecting upon is the moment that she said, I'm going to protect you. And like in the moment that they took her, that's what's really replaying in Rial's mind. Mm -hmm. But Bol is replaying the the boat accident consistently. Yeah. And I feel like they're both just so stuck in these moments that they they can't move on from. And yeah, it's just this idea of like, we carry these things with us, but what happens when these things start to overtake us? It's like you can carry those memories with you and they can impact and, and influence the way that you live. 
but you cannot let them overtake you because the moment that they do it's the moment that you can't move forward and both of them can't they're just they can't not in the way that they want to and they feel like bowl really feels like he's moving forward but like bro you've locked yourself into your house and yeah. your wife <laughs> you've like literally fortified a prison for you guys and what kind of a life is that and i honestly think that that's why he decides to you know give himself up yeah. It's basically what it's like he gives himself up then naya they can have naya back kind of a thing mm -hmm. but then Riel decides that like she has to accept the fact that she's gone mm -hmm. her friends are gone like she has to come to terms with that and like even then because the 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 witch is pushing her because it, it's revealed that the witch himself cannot hurt, uh, hurt mm -hmm. bowl like either bowl has to do it himself or real has to do it to him in order to like summon him right so like he's pushing her to be his vehicle to get what he believes is his and i personally i i i didn't know how i felt about it the first time through but second time through i'm happy mm -hmm. that she decides not to leave him um and decides to help him instead of just um, going with uh, trying to bring her back, which is, uh, it's interesting, right? Because you do, like you were saying earlier, you spend so much of this movie seeing them apart that like, I feel like by the time you reach the end, I I had kind of forgotten the fact that they end up coming back together as a unit mm -hmm. um, when this is all said and done. Like, I, honestly, after... Uh, after the witch starts using Bull as a as a hand puppet, I kind <laughs> it was kind of a blur what happened after that, and I, I don't know. I kind of liked it. What, what did you think? Yeah, it's this. Sorry, hearing you say that, like how the witch couldn't touch him, it reminded me of like Harry Potter and Voldemort when he's like, "I can touch you now." <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't know why, but that's basically what what it was. I mean, it's kind of the same <laughs> yeah, idea. Basically. Ultimate protection. I could not touch him. It was old magic. Something I should have foreseen. But no matter, no matter. Things have changed. I can touch you now. But yeah, no, I honestly, I also was kind of like, do I like this? Like, I guess. I, I it makes a lot of sense that she would save him because mm -hmm. would would I have been okay with it if they had done it done it differently and like Bull had sacrificed himself and maybe Naya did come back? Yeah, that would have been fine, but I do think it makes more sense in the grand scheme of things that she would pref she, she would say no, we're going to restart. We're going to try this together. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. I think the thing that was a little wonky for me is I loved all the stuff that was happening with her. Like I loved her walking out. I loved her grabbing her hand and how she kind of was having these flashbacks to her friends and this realization mm -hmm. that all of that is never going to be the same mm -hmm. or is no longer existent. Um, but I wish I just wish I knew more about what was happening 
to pull. Yeah. Like, I think that's what it was for me because I couldn't it, quite. That part's weird. That part's um, still yeah. weird. Because I couldn't quite understand what was happening to him. I was kind of, ta- every time it kept going back to him, I was kind of taken out. And also, ah, just her being able to come in and just like kill the witch, mm-hmm. I thought was kind of weird because same, same. you're a witch. Like, it, it was at ease. She just slit its throat. I almost feel like it could have been just a little bit more symbolic in the sense of maybe if she just refused her hand and was Mm -hmm. just like no that that was her saying i'd rather keep bowl and then the witch was like okay yeah i guess that's what it is i i kind of agree i think they they probably could have done something in that in that vein of like maybe as soon as she lets go of her hand we cut back to bowl and he's fine you know what i mean like everything's okay because she made the choice like the slitting of the throat it's it's a nice symbolic gesture but i think coupled with not really knowing what the witch was honestly <laughs> trying to do to bowl yeah it just makes that sequence <laughs> a little strange uh i i think there 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 are probably many ways you could have navigated that last scene to make it feel a little bit more concrete but i i liked the idea that the scene was going for mm-hmm. yeah um, and i and visually I, it was strange yes agreed and i and i love that it was bowl who made the decision like i liked that whole scene with the knife where mm-hmm. she, she's debating and then he ends up just doing it himself i mm-hmm. thought that that was all great like i love what happens before the witch comes and i love what happens after the witch comes but yeah that whole scene could have been reworked for me also mm-hmm. what happened to the witch's body after she slit its throat yeah that's but that's the thing is like i really feel like the witch in this particular sense was supposed to be something just symbolic and it was like a symbolic ritual of like killing the witch like the witch was never really there it was just like the witch just represented this 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 block that both of them had that they had to get over in order to actually start this new life here um which you know because even in the next scenes when they're getting their interview and stuff like that like bowl's completely fine like not that like he should his hand should be dangling like like a yo-yo but like he's completely unharmed and everything so i feel like it's meant to symbolize just just a struggle that they were dealing with that they were able to overcome. Right. Um, but, but there's still a it's hole just... in the floor. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what came out of the hole? <laughs> if not the witch. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, maybe if we had like, may- like a sandpaper or something <laughs> over the floor just to be like, or, or somebody referenced like, what happened to the floor? <laughs> and both of them just like, oh, nothing. <laughs> like maybe you could have like added in a little bit of humor there or something like that. I don't yeah. know. I mean, they did. They just threw a rug over it, which I thought was kind of funny. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I actually didn't notice that. Oh, okay, yeah. Right. It's the first thing. So when they cut back to the like morning after scene, um, mm-hmm. they're the guys and they're taking a picture of the kitchen. And yeah, it's like they put that rug over it, but you can see the outside of the hole, like oh, <laughs> on the okay. outside of the that. rug, and he that. just like okay. takes right, a picture of it. <laughs> I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I, I also I like the ending imagery though of them just um, accepting the fact that they're going to live with their ghosts, um, yeah. but they're still going to move forward. I thought that was cool. I thought that was that was a nice bit of symbolism there. It is cool. I think that, that and I love that they 
you know, because of the acceptance, they're not being haunted by them anymore. They're not scary to them anymore. It's mm-hmm. just kind of like, yeah, this is this is what we're going to do. We're going to move forward. I mean, I love that bowl is, you know, back in his his traditional clothes and and you can tell they're really accepting that they can have this new life without totally forgetting their old life. And then also that they can remember their past while embracing the future kind of thing. Like I like that they both have come to these realizations and I feel like them having this, these ghosts with them is makes sense for both realizations. And I also thought it was interesting too, because they keep talking they consistently throughout the movie, they talk about how big this house is and how nice it is that it's just the two of them. But it's not just the two of them. Like mm-hmm. it never was. It's always been full of all of these people that only they can see and only they are aware of. And so it's like, this isn't just our house. It's not even, it's not his house. It's not our house. It's like, it's everybody's house now. Yeah. Also, I love I love when he, when he's like, is the witch still here? And Bull's like, no, my wife killed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I love that. That was good. <laughs> but yeah, I I like the ending ending. Like the very end of it I thought was awesome. That the that imagery of them once again together, but being surrounded by all of these people is so cool. I think mm-hmm. that it was beautiful. But yeah, so it went out on a strong note, which I'm glad that they had that last little button scene. Yeah, it, instead I think of it, ending it, it, it with the, that. Yeah, instead of ending with the witch thing, I'm so glad that it <laughs> had one final moment because I was worried that it was going to end there and I was like, huh? like ugh. <laughs> don't know about that. Um, but yeah, I think, that's, I think that's everything. That's about all I wanted to cover. That's his house. And <laughs> In the middle of the street. Yes, his house. His something, house. Something, something. In the middle of our street. I don't know any of the other words to that song. I wish I did. I, I just know the tune. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, what are we going to rate his house out of, Erica? Welcome to his house. <laughs> music too loud. I was trying to think of another one. Um, <laughs> we could rate it out of, uh, let's see, we can rate it out of silverware. We could rate it out of necklaces, dolls. Mm-hmm. necklaces, dolls. holes oh, in the hole in the walls. I, I was literally, I was literally about to say holes in the wall, like legitimately before, like right as you said it. Okay. Well then I think we kind of have to do that then. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's like, that's pretty wild. That caught me off guard. I was like, get out of my head, Charles. I did, I did hear you say, ho- and then I like, cut you off and I was like, no, hold on. I had a well, all right. Okay. 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 Uh, all right. Okay. Why don't you go first then? Tell us how many holes in the wall his house is going to get from Erica. I'm going to give his house. Hmm, I think I'm going to say four. I'm trying to think of what my point is. Four mm-hmm. point. Hey, follow your heart. My heart is conflicted. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I'm going to give it, you know, I'm going to give it 4.5 holes in the wall. Okay. Um, 
yeah, this is a great movie, but I tell you, I'll tell you this for free. I really don't think I'm going to be going back to it anytime soon because it was really heavy to me. Mm -hmm. And that does not mean it's a bad movie, but it does mean that it's not a rewatchable movie for me. <laughs> um, yeah, because it has some really serious things going on in it and things that made me feel really tense, really uncomfortable, which is totally what's meant to happen. I'm glad that it was like that. But yeah, I was just stressed and emotional the entire time that I was watching this. I think that the shots in it are awesome and really help to convey the story. Mm -hmm. The acting in it is great, especially considering that we're mainly focusing on two characters that can get stale really quickly. But I think both of them had so many elements within their characters and played them so nuanced that it felt like I had a million characters in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, the the thing that I really appreciate that about this it is it doesn't really feel like there are protagonists and antagonists. It just feels like there are people who make mistakes and there are victims of circumstance and depending on where you're at in this movie, your thoughts will shift. And I think that that is very, very well done. My only thing is I just, I'm not totally sure about it, all that build up to the moment with <laughs> the witch. And it just did not do what I was, it, it didn't hit in the way that I was thinking that it would. Cause I really went in there like amped up and I was so ready to see what this confrontation was going to be like. And I think it just missed the mark for me. Um, mm -hmm. But other than that, I was really, really impressed by this movie and yeah, 4.5 holes in the wall for me. Mm, very nice. Um, okay. I'm going to be in the same realm. I'm going to give his house 4.7. Yeah, 4.7 out of 5 mm -hmm. holes in the wall. Uh, pretty much for all the same reasons. I think this is a really, really great character-driven, um, very tense film uh, with some great horror elements to it. I think that the story is really well-written. I think the reveal is fantastic. Um, and I think that the subject matter is... is Definitely heavy, but it's presented in a consumable way, and um, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the way that things were framed. I enjoyed the way that things happened, and I agree with you. I like that there was a lot of gray. There wasn't any character that was fully right or wrong. It was just characters being human and human circumstances, um, what you know, whatever that means. And yeah, I I'm honestly glad that i went back to it because like i said my first watch um I'll, although i liked it i did not it didn't resonate the same way that it did the second time around mm -hmm. and i think the second time around was um really useful and enjoying the film and appreciating how good it actually is so 4.7 out of 5 holes in the wall for me all right well that is it for our conversation on his house. We hope that you guys enjoyed it. And we are looking forward to talking to you, homies, about your thoughts on this movie as well. I am sure there are many interpretations or symbolism or little behind the scenes things that we may have overlooked. Because like I said, there's a lot to unpack in this film. So 
yeah, let us know your thoughts and breakdowns of this movie. You can talk to us on social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or if you want to get a little bit more in depth with it, you can slide into our Discord. The link for that is in our social media bios. We hang out in there. We talk to the homies. And we like to just chit-chat and have a good time. So, yeah, we'd love to see you in there if you're not already in there. You can also always email us if you have any requests, recommendations, or business inquiries. We are homiesofhorror at gmail.com. It is a Monday, which means it's homie hangout night, which is the night that we stream on Twitch. We play spooky games, have a good time, have some drinks, and once again, chit chat with the homies. So if that sounds like something that you would like to come through for, then you can also find the link for that in our social media bios. And last but not least, if you're feeling so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would head over to apple podcast and leave us a rating or a review the more ratings and reviews we get the better it helps more people hear about our show and we also just kind of like hearing what you guys are thinking so yeah if you have an apple account and you haven't done that yet then please leave a rating or a review or if you listen to us on spotify you can rate us on there as well just go to the star right underneath our um, bio click that and you can rate us so yeah leave us a rating on there if you prefer and once again Thank you so much for joining us for the very first episode for Black History Month. Like I said, we've got some exciting things coming your way. We had so much fun talking about this movie and can't wait to talk about the rest of them. So, yeah. Catch you next time, homies. Bye.